You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. Hey, better news and a better topic for right now. We start our first show for the basketball season. And our old basketball analyst, Jahar Ali, is with us. Hey, Jahar. Hey, John. What's up? And it's pretty exciting to be here on this topic. And Brian Manning, my regular and always co-host. Hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm good, John. Really good after the last two days. Good to have our buddy Jahar join us talking about basketball. Yep, I'm stoked. Yesterday, after the game, okay, our audio editor, my daughter, Catherine, played basketball in middle school and elementary school, and she's a basketball nut, and she was like, she's coming up after the after the kind of mess up at the end of the game, and we almost won it at the end of the game. My, my daughter comes upstairs, and I was trying to concentrate on it, and I was working on an article, and she's like yelling at me, like, I can't believe this. It was so funny. So yeah, it was pretty exciting. So I'm going to kind of lead this, but I know Jahar wanted to say something. Brian, I know you wanted to say something too. I got a couple of things. So the first segment's going to be on the Villanova game, which is probably the biggest thing that's happened to us good sports-wise in quite a while. So, Jahar, why don't you lead it in? Yeah, isn't it miraculous how this athletic department employs Justin Fuente, let's call him not-so-great coach, and Mike Young, who's been an outstanding coach for this team. I mean, he was running such great sets all during the Villanova game, and he had this unranked Tokyo team. They won't be unranked for long, but had him looking like, they belonged with the number three team in the country. And Villanova is probably not the top three team in the country after, you know, watching them. But this Hokies team is going to be ranked come Monday. And, you know, the question is how high. Jeff Goodman had him in his top 10. Someone else had him in the top 15. So this team looks confident. They look tough to play against. They basically look like a veteran unit. And that's something we hadn't seen from the Hokies last year. I mean, it was a bunch of kids last year. And this was without Jalen Cohn, who's going to be a bona fide scorer for this team. And saying that this is a veteran team was helped by Cartier Jara. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Keve Aluma. It's been two huge, huge pickups for Mike Young over the offseason. And it's honestly just catapulted this team to another level. I mean, you don't see them panic after whatever the debacle was with the refereeing at the end of the game against Villanova in regulation. They just come out, Justin Mutz hits a three to start overtime, and they just keep rolling from there. I saw them drain a three. It was like the digital salute to the referees and to Villanova. See, yeah, you got away with one, but we're not going to let you do it anyway. That was a whole different ball of wax at that point. I was very surprised. I have honestly never seen a charge essentially taken by someone right next to the inbounder on the baseline. So that was a new one for me. I like, I mean, what Kevin Luma hit the bucket with 1.2 seconds left on the clock. I was already just like typing up the recap tweet on my timeline. And then that happens. I'm like, oh my gosh, 
this is the most Virginia Tech thing to happen since the loss to Liberty and how we lost to Liberty. So it was good that they had resolve and they rebounded in overtime with a strong five-minute performance. Yeah, Brian, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think the first thing Hokie fans think about when when we got that win Saturday night was last November when we beat Michigan State, who, Jar, correct me if I'm wrong, they were ranked number three at the time, too. People want to know, I think people believe that, can we sustain this level of play into January, February? This is a different team. Last year didn't have, you mentioned the veteran players. We added four transfers, all varying levels of success before they came to Virginia Tech. Diara especially was a, had a really good career with Kansas State. Kive Aluma, what a what an addition! I think if we he keeps on the trajectory that he's on right now, the way he's playing, he's an All ACC player this year, and I believe this is not going to be a team. Let me get one out, out of the way as Landers knowledge that there's an addition by subtraction thing there, but I think this is a kind of team that they have size, they can score in the paint. This is just a different team, and I do believe this team's a contender all year long. Jahar, what's your thought about the sustainability of, of what we see early in the season, three and zero? Yeah, I think it's definitely more sustainable because they're not so reliant on the three-point shot, which is invariably up and down if you rely on that too much as a team. So this year we have a post-present with Kevin Lumen. We saw this when Zach Lede came in for Buzz, year two of Buzz. So this is year two of Mike Young, obviously. So we're seeing like a similar effect. Zach Lede immediately came in and was putting up like 17 and 8 nightly. And we're seeing the same thing with Keve. So it's going to be impressive if he keeps up this level of scoring against ACC competition. He probably won't. But still, this like competence at the five and at the four is just so important, especially when we get to the ACC ACC games coming up here soon. It's pretty amazing. I just going through some of the stats. Even though we're scoring in the paint this year, which is amazing because we hadn't last year. It was a team full of guards. We have two things going on right now. We Young has gotten everybody moving inside. We were still fifty percent at three pointers, so ten for twenty. That was good production off the three points. But, you know, 27 for 57 in in field goals, I would have liked to see that percentage a little higher. But if you look at the second half, we kind of tied up everything. We were ahead at the first half and then tied it up. So it seemed like they kind of got in a stall rhythm in the second half. But, boy, I'll tell you what, the overtime, they sure took over, didn't they? They did. And honestly, the most impressive thing was I think Villanova was up by nine at some point with about 10 minutes left. And the Soviet team just kept battling and was never yeah. rattled again. Speaks to the little veteran, veteran never gave up. on the team with BD. Yeah, never gave up. And it's like last year, we definitely would have seen this team at that point fall into a little bit of a spiral, maybe lose by 10 to 15. But this year's team came back with some heart and it was really impressive to see. Yeah, well, Brian, you haven't said a whole lot. What's your takeaway on this, the first signature win of the season? I want to touch on something you both guys discussed about the three-point shooting. Jar mentioned how, you know, it was not sustainable to win like that. I mean, you could go out there and you can beat the number one team in the country loaded with lottery picks if you're shooting 50% from the three-point line. But then the next game, you could play a, a team like the bottom feeder of the – you could play Georgia Tech the next night, and you hit five of, of 16 like tonight, and you could lose. You're susceptible to losing to a lesser team. And, and this team, they can shoot the ball, as, as we saw last night. But when they have an off night like tonight, it doesn't matter because they can score inside. Now they play strong defense. There's a lot to really like about this team. The one thing – and both of you guys noticed that stat. What do you see? Offensive and defensive rebounds. That's something we were not doing last year. We did it against Villanova. They were going up and getting follow-up shots. They were going up and pulling the ball out and freezing out Villanova for their follow-up shots by going up and getting defensive boards. That's a big change for us. 
rim protection and rebounding. Again, Aluma brings that in spades as what we've seen so far this year. It helped the defense out so much. You're not guarding multiple possessions per actual possession for the other team. Right now, Tech is ranked 32 in the country in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive ratio or rating. So that's like, I think that's significantly higher than what we were last year. And then the offense is ranked 25th. So overall, we're 25th right now in Ken Palm. I think that's going to go up after the USF game is in the books. So we're improving. I don't think we got this high in Buzz's tenure till like year three or four. And Mike Young's already doing it in his second year. So kudos to Mike Young. Yeah, the big thing to remember is this is Mike Young's team. There's not a whole lot of leftover anybody from Buzz's team. So we've got Bede. I think that's it. It's made a huge difference. I got to say one thing as we wrap this down into the, the end of this first segment, that the refreshingness of the Mike Young. Okay, Mike Young is a local. He's from Radford. He went to Radford High School. This is his dream shot, and he's picked it up. The little videos they were doing with the Dukes of Hazard thing and the driving down the road with the Hawaiian shirt, you'd never see Fuente do that. And just having a good time and being part of the scene. And, of course, he's local, so he's comfortable being around here. And it's really good to see a head coach engage in the community, too, and get his players engaged in the community. And another thing about Mike Young, he knows that success, you won't, you know that success won't get to his head. I mean, just now, post game, I'm reading David Cunningham's tweet here on what it would mean if Virginia Tech is ranked tomorrow. Mike Young says, I'd be happy about that, but goodness gracious, with everything going on, don't get too fat and happy. You better keep your head down and keep chopping wood. And that's what we intend to do. And I absolutely love that. I got to love that attitude. His attitude at the end of the game, he put it on himself and said, Hey, look, I set it up wrong. That's the oldest trick in the book, and I set it up wrong. And we're going to fix that and make sure that doesn't happen again. You absolutely have to pat a guy in the back for that. So, hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about the USF game. And this one is a little different character. And at this point, let's take a break for commercial and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's been a lively discussion in behind the scenes with other stuff that we'll bring up as things solidify a little bit. We'll talk about in the midweek podcast as we prep up and deal with the painful nature of the football game about to happen and about the ragdolling we're about to get. But we'll deal with that later. The happy news is the basketball team is roaring, and it's now 3-0. and USF banned the court up in Connecticut, up at Mohegan Sun, and guess what happened? Hokies won. So, Jahar, how you feel about this one? This was predicted to be a more even matchup when it was first put together. So this opened as an eight-point Virginia Tech spread. So Tech was favored by eight. And if you're betting a favorite in college basketball, this game was essentially your dream if you're betting the favorite because Tech held a 13-point lead at half. So you were obviously going to win your bet there. And then they held on to the lead very easily as the game wore on. And a lot of that, again, is due to the veteran leadership we talked about in the previous segment with Jara and Beattie being those two senior veteran ball handlers that control the floor that provide great playmaking and get guys open looks from beyond the arc. So Tech shot 54% from the field. Their three-point shooting wasn't quite as good going 5-16 behind the arc. But again, that ability to penetrate a defense showed up on free throw line today as Tech was able to shoot 21 shots from the charity stripe and knock down 17 of them for an 81% clip. And obviously that number probably won't be as high in future games, but still Tech out-rebounded USF. 
They shot better than USF. Tyrese Radford had a hell of a game shooting 9-12 from the field, so he was able to penetrate easily along with Beattie and Jara. So this was like an all-around solid performance, what you want to see if you're a favorite in a basketball game. And, you know, given how wild college basketball is day-to-day, even in November, this is a really solid win. Mike Young should be really proud of this team, especially they didn't get too high after the Villanova win, and they just kept their heads down and kept working and came out with a solid 18-point win over USF. Okay, noted in our pregame warm-up for this one, last year we noticed, all of us did, the tendency for the Hokies to sort of kind of not completely fold up, but kind of flag and struggle in, let's say, between the start of the second half and probably about halfway through the second half. And we were really struggling putting teams away that we should have put away. I saw none of that tonight. The Hokies absolutely, okay, they didn't score huge amounts of points, but what they did was they steadily put their foot on the accelerator and ended up coming away with a five-point second half top, which already added to their, what What did they have? It was 36-23 at the half. So at that point, they actually got a chance to add to their 13-point lead. And I like the idea of not sweating hard, maybe getting some other guys off the bench, some bench players to get some minutes in the game, to get some time on the floor, to kind of shake the cobwebs out and get in the flow of things. Pemsey got on the floor. Bamisale got on the floor. And Gessen got on the floor. That's important. You know, those guys have got to get some time in. I know that Brian had some commitments and stuff, but hey, Brian, have you gotten a chance to kind of take a look through the play-by-play on online? Or I know you haven't gotten a chance to actually look at their game recorded. So I kind of got into the last probably eight to 10 minutes of the game and, and saw a little bit earlier in the game. Like I missed a little bit here and there and I had to leave and come back. I recorded it. So I'm going to go back and watch it. Just kind of following the stat lines here. And it, it looks like a guy like Justin Mutz had nine boards tonight. That's big. And you got, of course, Aluma. His numbers weren't as huge today as they've been the last couple of games, but another solid performance. And I want to point out that for me, what's impressive is what's happened over the first three games. It's all been without Jalen Cohn. And I'll let Jahard talk about how important he is to this team. Yeah, essentially Cone, I think, shot like 50% from three last season. So he gives Mike Young another four spacer to use. And if Aluma's just as effective as he's been, you know, controlling the boards, being a rim protector in the paint for other teams, Cone's going to thrive in this offense, especially because he's so bouncy too. He's got a lot of quickness. He can get to the rim if needed. He's not just a three-point shooter. And I'm excited to see, you know, once he gets out of his boot, which I think he's going to be available this coming Thursday against VMI, if I'm not mistaken. We'll be able to see what he's going to be able to do. But, I mean, his potential is there for that kid, man. He's got a lot of talent, a lot of shooting ability to help this team. Yeah, I like the fact that, that everything got spread around. There's a fair number of assists, a few here, a few there, a few here, a few there. Rebounding was Mutz, which is what I like to see because he's a forward. He's the kind of power forward in all of this. And it's nice to see him going up and grabbing boards. And, you know, nine isn't a double, but when you got nine and you got Aluma with four, Radford with three, and Pemsey actually grabbed six boards. So I like the idea of getting a chance to get in there and pull the ball out. And both sides seem to be rebounding pretty equally. The guys that were pulling defensive boards were also pulling offensive boards. So that's a part of the game that a lot of people forget about. Yeah, and obviously we've seen lately, especially last year, Tech struggled on the boards and 
their defense struggled as a result from having to defend multiple possessions at once. So one and done looks this year for the other team have sprung the transition offense. And for guys like Jara and Radford to get on the move, going towards the basket is huge. Particular is really good at being crafty at how he gets to the hole. He essentially got to the hole for the game-winning play in regulation against Villanova and dished it to Aluma underneath. And that was like a super impressive veteran play that Tech was missing last year, especially because BD was in, I think he was on the bench with five fouls last yeah, night. Yeah, he got decided a couple of times with some penalties that I don't know if they were necessarily penalty penalties, but yeah, he was riding a pine at the time. Yeah, to have somebody come in and be able to do that, I like that. Before, yeah, before we transition over to get a little bit of football news before we end this, Jahar mentioned the Hokies are back in action on Thursday when they play VMI, and then they're off for five days. And I think the following Tuesday, they play Penn State. And then the ACC slate opens with Clemson before another couple of non-converts. So there's this is a very manageable schedule until they play at Charlottesville, which is scheduled for, for January 2nd. So. And speaking yeah. of Clemson. Yeah, let's talk about that news. The news is is that kickoff is nationwide at 7.30 on ABC, which means maybe these guys on the field will overcome. There are good coaches on the field. We know we've talked about it. We've talked about the fact that there are some really good, really competent coaches on the field. I would like to see this team rear up and do something other than roll over and play dead. I don't expect to win at all. That's the way I feel about it. I just want this. I want the team of players to rear up and do something. This is the first time I've I've never wanted to watch a primetime Hokies game. So we'll do it, but it won't be fun. Yeah, no understand, man, this time too, to get the crowd hype. So it's going to be a tough one, I think. Clemson pasted Pittsburgh in the first quarter 31 to nothing, and we saw what Pitt did to us. So just by the transit of property there, that's a 45 to that in first quarter. All right. Well, we know what we're in for. Previews will be out. I don't know if I'm going to even feel like doing a live. I mean, because it's 7.30 game, it's going to be way past my Betty by time. But we'll see. And, you know, maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised and we won't look so bad. And you never know, right up until the moment of the game, there might not even be a game. You just don't know. With all these regulations and and state regulations and two guys within three feet of somebody who tested positive two days ago and bang, you've got 15 guys down. So yeah, it's the COVID season. So everybody, as we always say, and Jahar, you had the last word last week and we're going to honor the basketball team this time. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.